So I have to address a major problem with you this morning. Um, it's a problem that, that is um, ever-growing, something that we've got to figure out what to do about this. I want to call it Christmas creep. Christmas creep is the tendency of Christmas-related stuff to be seemingly happening earlier every year. You know, that, you know how it goes. People singing Christmas songs in August, decorations in stores in October. I even had a friend, not at this church, at a previous church, who put their Christmas tree up before Halloween. I know. They even brazenly documented their crime with photos on Facebook. Don't worry, I did my civic duty and promptly called the police on them. <laughs> Scientists are baffled by this problem and they're working around the clock to find a solution. In fact, rumor has it, they've brought in an expert to help them figure this out and stop this Christmas creep. So I tease about this. This really is my favorite time of year, absolutely my favorite time of year. There's so much good things about Christmas time. Um, there's so many benefits. It would be great, wouldn't it, if we could have Christmas all the time, right? And, and Christmas without end. I think that would be really, really fantastic. I'm going to talk to you this morning about some ways that we can extend some of the more important parts of Christmas throughout the year. We're going to start off by one of the parts of Christmas that uh, tends to happen to people, uh, and that's joy. We know that this time of year, there tends to be a lot of joy in people, um, it, whether it's because of the environment, the atmosphere, the lights, the cool things going on, the great food, um, Christmas um, carols, whatever it is. Um, there's a lot of joy this time of year. Now, a, a definition of joy we're going to use this morning is a feeling of great pleasure and happiness. And I, I wasn't real, real thrilled with, with that definition, though, that was, that was the best one I could find, because joy is, is really more than happiness. Ha happiness is fleeting, right? Happiness is temporary. Happiness is dependent upon our circumstances. It's dependent upon what's going on around us. Um, happiness is also fragile. Uh, it doesn't take much for us to lose our happiness. Something bad happens to us. We get bad news. Our favorite sports team loses. There's not much that it takes sometimes for us to lose our happiness, and it's so fragile. Um, people tend to kind of make happiness a goal of their life, right? In fact, one of our founding documents for this country even talks about how the pursuit of happiness is one of our inalienable, excuse me, inalienable rights. But happiness should not be our end goal. There's nothing wrong with happiness. Happiness is great uh, when you can have it and when you can keep it. Happiness should not be our goal. It should be joy because joy goes much deeper than happiness. Let's take a look at what the Bible says about joy. Now, first of all, it's one of the fruits of the Spirit, right? One of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. We did a whole series on that this past summer uh, or late spring into summer, um, and, and joy is one of those fruit of the Spirit. And we always want to choose joy because that's the great thing about joy. Unlike happiness that's dependent upon what's going on around us, joy is something that we can choose. In Psalm 118 verse 24, 
It says, this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Now, that word rejoice is that same idea of joy. Philippians 4.4 4 says, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. And then 1 Thessalonians 5.16, always be joyful. Now, when you read these verses, sometimes it can be tempting to think, what was that author thinking? Like, did they have a charmed life? Uh, did they never have anything bad happen to them? Were they always in great situations to be able to say, always choose joy, always be full of joy, always rejoice? Well, look at two of those verses came from the letters of Paul, who did not lead a charmed life, had a lot of bad things happen to him, and yet he still could say, always be joyful. Because joy is an attitude, it's a choice, it's something that comes from God and not from our external circumstances. You know, it even goes beyond this to talk about joy in suffering. In Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 4, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. For we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. So not only does joy help us kind of get through the good times, and we can have it when, when things are going well, but even when we are having trouble, trials, problems, it helps us produce endurance that leads to strength of character, that leads to a confident hope in salvation. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 3, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Not just joy, but great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. And so there's a reason for it and something that benefits that can come from that, those trials and, and temptations because it helps us build endurance. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 13, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through, as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad, for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering, so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 2 says, Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles, and they are very poor. But they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. So even in places and for people that have gone through some things, the church in Macedonia, they were being tested by many trials. They were very poor. But that did not stop them from having joy. That did not stop them from having that, it says here, filled with abundant joy, and then it leads to overflowing with rich generosity. Even though they didn't have much, they were still very generous with what they had because of the joy that was there, the joy that comes from God. A man by the name of Sam Storms is a theologian and teacher has this to say about joy. Joy is not necessarily the absence of suffering. It is the presence of God. So it is an attitude it is a choice. It is not something that's controlled by our circumstances around us. And 
It's not a result of what is going on around us, but rather what is going on inside. So joy is a result of what is going on inside of us rather than what is external. A man by the name of Russell M. Nelson, who's a religious leader, had this to say, my dear brothers and sisters, the joy we feel has little to do with the circumstances of our lives and everything to do with the focus of our lives. That's the great thing about joy, because it's not dependent upon circumstances. It's not dependent upon us having all the, the things and being in a good place and having everything going well for us. Anybody can choose joy. It comes from God, and anybody can choose that, and we can have an attitude of joy. So if you want to keep Christmas without end, keep joy. We're going to do things a little bit differently this morning. I'm going to do a short prayer after each one of these sections. So let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for what you have to tell us about joy, that it's so much better than just happiness, which is fleeting, which is temporary, which is dependent on circumstances. But the joy that comes from you that can fill our hearts, that no matter what is happening to us on the outside, we can still be joyful. Thank you for that. And in Jesus' name. The next thing we're going to talk about is peace. We often think about peace this time of year. Um, definition of peace that I found was freedom from disturbance and tranquility. So peace is something that everybody wants. It's not always something that we can grasp all the time. We can have an internal peace. Isaiah 26.3 says, You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. That's, a, that's quite a statement, isn't it? Perfect peace. You'll keep him in perfect peace. Anyone whose thoughts are fixed on God, anyone who trusts in God, so that we can have that perfect peace on the inside. John 14, 27, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. We know the peace that comes from God is much different than any, any sort of peace that we can find in our world. Uh, our world is lacking peace definitely right now as we see what's going on all around us. But this peace that God gives us is something we cannot get from the world, this peace of mind and heart. John 16, I have told you all this that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you'll have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. 2 Thessalonians 3.16, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you his peace at all times and in every situation. The Lord be with you all. Did you catch what he talked about there? All times, every situation. So it's a lot like joy that we were talking about. It's not dependent upon the circumstances and what's going on. What, where we find ourselves at the moment, this peace from God can be available to all of us, no matter what is happening. Philippians 4, verses 6 through 7, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds, as you live in Christ Jesus. So trying to understand God's peace is a futile effort. It's something beyond us. It defies anything that we can figure out on our own. 
but it's there, and it's available to each of us from God. We also think this time of year, often I think about peace with others. So we can have peace within ourselves, but we also can have peace with those around us. Psalm 34, 14 says, Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. Work to maintain peace with those around you. Matthew 5, 9, God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. Romans 12, 18 goes further and says, do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. You can't always help what other people are going to do. You can't always help how they're going to act towards you. That's, that's on them. But we can do everything in our power to try to live in peace with those around us. And sometimes that means that we let things go. Sometimes that means that instead of having that discussion or having that argument, we just let it slide to maintain that peace. That speaks to the power and importance of relationships. And if relationships are important to you, there are times that you let things go to preserve that relationship. I'm not talking about things that need to be addressed. There certainly are times that things have to be addressed and have to be worked through. We don't want to ignore those things. But there are things that we tend to get upset about and tend to want to have discussions and arguments about that sometimes we just need to let go. For the sake of that relationship, for the sake of peace with that person and those around us, we just need to let it go. So do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. 2 Corinthians 13, 11, dear brothers and sisters, I close my letter with these words, be joyful, grow to maturity, encourage each other, live in harmony and peace. Then the God of love and peace will be with you. Do you want to keep Christmas without end? Keep peace. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for this peace that you have given us, this peace that goes beyond anything that we can understand or comprehend. The peace that can be within ourselves in different circumstances when things aren't going well, but also the peace with those around us, the peace and relationships and, and, and keeping those all where they need to be. We thank you for your help in that and the peace that you offer us. In Jesus' name. This one you're very familiar with because it's in a lot of our, our Christmas carols and um, some of the verses that we, that we look at this time of year, and that's goodwill. We find that in Luke chapter 2, verse 14. Most of the verses I have up here are actually New Living Translation. I like how the old KJV puts this verse, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. This idea of goodwill a definition I found for that is a kindly feeling of approval and support, benevolent interest or concern. So goodwill really is a genuine concern for others and their well-being. It's seeing the humanity in others and being a good human. Truly wishing for the best for someone else. We don't see enough of that in our world today. We don't see enough goodwill because people are so focused on themselves. People are so focused on doing what they want to do and doing what's best for themselves that they don't think about what's best for the other person. And sometimes it takes sacrificing things for ourselves 
to think about what's best for the other person. Now, we often think about that in a family situation, right? In a marriage, for example, in a good marriage, there's sacrifice. Both parties are sacrificing and looking out for the best interest of the other person. They're concerned about the other person. Same thing with your kids. You look out for their best interest, and as a parent, you sacrifice a lot of things for your kids. But it should go beyond just our family and beyond our circle of friends. It should be to our neighbors. It should be to the person down the road that you don't know very well, but you see is struggling, and you can do something to help. It should, it should go to the people that even don't treat us very well, and we look out for their best interests and do what we can for them. And it's fighting for the people that need someone to fight for them. Truly wishing for the best for someone else, genuine concern for others and their well-being. Now, often we think about goodwill and we compare it with kindness. And they are similar but also different. So goodwill is the attitude that leads to the action of kindness. So we can think about goodwill as the attitude, what's underneath it all, that then leads to our actions of kindness toward others. It's not just kindness because it's expected, but rather kindness because we genuinely care about the other person. So that goodwill, that underlying attitude of having the other person's best interest in mind drives us to then be kind towards them and to show kindness to people around us. Goodwill is underneath. Kindness is what comes out. So if we want to keep Christmas without end, we're going to keep goodwill. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for this idea of goodwill and, and, and putting the interests of others ahead of our own. Always thinking of the best of, of other people, seeing the humanity in someone else, truly being concerned for their well-being. And that drives us to kind acts and kind words. We just thank you for that and the, the help you give us there as well. In Jesus' name. One of the things that we tend to see this time of year is there's a heightened awareness of some things. For example, we have a heightened awareness of the needs of others. You can't go anywhere without seeing some sort of organization this time of year that is having some sort of food drive or toy drive or trying to get donations or these charities and charitable organizations that are trying to help other people no lack of opportunities to help those in need. Now, we, we have a few of them. We, we do Operation Christmas Child every year. A few weeks ago, we just had our parade, which is always a fun time. Um, but that's one of those opportunities to do something for somebody else and to help those in need during the holidays. But there's also things like Angel Tree, where you go into some stores and they have children's names and you pick it and you can get whatever they have on their list and help them out. Toys for Tots, Salvation Army bell ringers outside of the stores. Here in the United States alone, there are more than 1.5 million charitable organizations. So there's no lack of opportunity to help people this time of year. This time of year, people tend to be more willing to help other people and more generous with their money and volunteering their time this time of year. According to Charity Navigator, an organization that works with charitable organizations, up to 41% of annual charitable donations are given in the month of December. Now, some of that is tax-related, right? There are benefits to giving 
Um, there are tax benefits to charitable giving, and especially this time of year when you're trying to finish some things up. But that doesn't, that doesn't account for all of it. People do tend to be more generous this time of year by helping people out. According to a recent article in USA Today, volunteering increases 50% during the holiday season. So people are, are increasing their volunteer hours by 50% during this month. Which is great when we see this. It's really good to see all of these charitable organizations that are out there trying to help people. And it's really good to have the opportunity to help them and do what you can. Put a dollar into the, into the Salvation Army kettle. Do something for Cooperation Christmas Child. Sponsor an Angel Tree Kid. Whatever you do, it's great to do that. But what tends to happen is January 1st rolls around, the new year starts, and what happens? We kind of forget all the people that are in need. We kind of let that stay a holiday thing. That's a Christmas time thing. That's a, that's a Salvation Army bell ringers outside the door thing in December. I'll, I'll give again next year. I'll give again when the holidays roll back around. I'll think about it again then. But here's the problem. These needs don't disappear when the new year starts. These people in need don't vanish when the calendar resets. The needs are still there. The people with those needs are still there. I'm going to give you a couple of challenges this morning, and the first one is this. Maintain awareness of those in need January through November. It's easy, because it's everywhere around us, it's easy to have that awareness of those in need during the holiday season, but maintain that awareness the rest of the year. And then we also tend to have a heightened awareness of God this time of year. For many folks, Christmas and Easter are the only times of year that they go to church. You find churches are packed full for the Christmas service and for the Easter service. And sometimes for those people, that's the only time they'll step foot into a church. There's a general awareness of God, Jesus, and the Bible as they relate to Christmas this time of year. Everybody knows the Christmas story. They might not fully believe it, but they know what it is. They know the story of the baby in the manger. That heightened awareness of all of that, Christmas season tends to be a time it's more socially acceptable to talk about Jesus, especially as it relates to his birth. But as followers of Christ, we also tend to turn our attention more to Jesus and the Bible this time of year. And, and, and part of it is just because it's what is happening, right? It's the time of year that we're focused on that, we're focused on Christ's birth, we're focused on the baby in the manger, and that's not a bad thing. It's very good to have those reminders. So we tend to turn our attention more to that this year, but here's the second challenge I have for you. Maintain awareness of the manger, of the manger January through November, and that baby in the manger, and what that means for all of us. Now, I'm going to do a little caveat here. Easter doesn't count for this challenge because we typically tend to do this anyway. At, at, the Easter, at the Easter season, we tend to think more about God and Jesus. So for this challenge, the Easter time doesn't count for that. But the rest of the year, maintaining awareness and remembering the baby in the manger. So do you want Christmas without end? Keep awareness. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you that this time of year we tend to have a, a more of an awareness of those around us in need and their needs. And we tend to have an awareness of you and the baby in the manger and, and what all of that means for us. We tend to think about that more.
this time of year, and that's a very good thing. But we want to extend that beyond just the holiday season. We want to remember those in need and help those in need. We want to remember the baby in the manger and what that means for us all year long. And please help us to do that in Jesus' name. The final one I want to talk about this morning, and I, I did this last on purpose because I think it's one that, that a lot of people need right now, and that's hope. This season, for a lot of people, is filled with hope. Hope is a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. That, that, that expectation, desire for a good thing to happen, that's that hope. What the Bible has to say about hope in Psalm chapter 62, verse 5, let all that I am wait quietly before God, for my hope is in him. Psalm 147, 11, the Lord's delight is in those who fear him, those who put their hope in his unfailing love. That's encouraging, his unfailing love. And that's what we can put our hope in. Lamentations chapter 3, verses 21 through 23, yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh every morning. Romans 15, 13, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you'll overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then 1 Timothy 4.10, this is why we work hard and continue to struggle. For our hope is in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, and particularly of all believers. So we have a God that we can place our hope in. We're not placing our hope in people. We're not placing our hope in our society or our government or anything else around us. We're placing our hope in God. And that confident hope in his never-ending love, his never-ending mercies, his never-ending faithfulness. And that's where we can anchor our hope. So when we look around at our world and the things that are going on that just break our hearts, so many things that you look around and you say, why? Why are people like this? Why are people doing this to other people? These are, do, these are things they're doing to other human beings. And it's just, some of the things are just unconscionable that are happening. And it's hard to have hope when we see all of that, but we can have that hope in Jesus because the baby in the manger was actually hope personified. This time of year, we, we often think about Jesus being in the manger, and that baby in the manger is hope personified. Let's pray one last time. Dear Lord, we thank you for that hope that you have given us, the hope that we can, can make it through because we put our hope in you, your unfailing love, your never-ending mercies, your great faithfulness. That's what our hope is in, and that's what we can anchor our hope in. We thank you for that, in Jesus' name. Kings of earth on a course unknown, bearing gifts from afar, hoping, praying, following yonder star, silhouette of a caravan, painted against the sky, wise men searching for the holy child.
Sun.